I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a podcast about making work work. You'll learn about leadership, career growth, and how to navigate those weird work challenges. I run a HR consulting business called Boldside, where I help leaders build epic team cultures. If you lead a team or run a business and you think I can help, let's connect on LinkedIn. My name is Shelley Johnson. It's time to get to work. Today in the show, I'm going to share 14 lessons from 2023. It's going to be rapid fire, hopefully. I'll put a little asterisk there because you know I'm a verbal processor. These are lessons I've learned either through my business or through this podcast by interviewing some amazing guests. If you enjoy this show, I would love if you can send it to a friend or give us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple. Let's get into it. Lesson number one, don't wait until you feel ready. I see so many people struggle with this, that they wait until they feel ready before they put their hand up for the promotion or they don't apply for that job because they feel like they don't have all the criteria. So they just don't do it. Or they let the fear of what if they fail hold them back from taking the plunge. And I think it all comes back to this idea of waiting until we feel ready. And I think a lot of things in life we don't feel ready for. Like I I can't think of any really good risk that I've taken or big challenge where I felt totally ready for it. (laughs) Except except the only exception, and this is the exception, and it wouldn't be this podcast if there wasn't one overshare. So we're just going there in the first two minutes. The only exception to this would be my daughter, when I was pregnant with Sunny, she was 14 days overdue. And I remember feeling very ready for her to arrive. <laughs> like very ready. That's the only exception. That's the only time I can think of where I'm like, I felt ready for the risk or the challenge of becoming a parent. But aside from that, I can't think of a time. Like I, all the things, and, and this is so consistent over so many people who've built really successful careers They haven't waited until they feel ready. They've taken the risk, they've taken a plunge and they've played big. So for you in 2024, my challenge is stop waiting until you feel ready. And like Robert Greene says in one of his books, take action a bit before you're ready. Number two, you can care less without being careless. I'm going to read this again. You can care less without being careless. Now, this is for the perfectionists or recovering perfectionists out there, of which I am one. And I reckon there's a fair few listeners. If we were to take a survey of our listeners, I reckon there'd be quite a few perfectionists in the group. And I just want to say I see you and I feel you. And this one is for you. Sometimes we need to right-size our care factor. And Mark Manson says we only have so much care factor that we can put into things. In his book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, he talks about this about the idea that we just don't have this endless amount of energy we can invest into things. So we need to choose wisely what we care about. And one of the challenges I've found this year is how do I let go of the fear of what other people think? And that's been something really deep, like there's deep work in that. And if you've struggled with the fear of what other people think, I feel you because I think it is a real challenge to let go of that 
But if you don't let that go, if you if you live in that fear zone of what other people think or you live in the kind of caring too much about things that are outside of your control, it holds you back at work. Now, there's always going to be things that are outside of our control that we care about. I'm not saying that we don't have care factor for them, but I am saying that we sometimes need to right size our care factor and know that you can care a little bit less about some things and still not be careless. For me, one of the strategies I had for this particular lesson was I wrote that line down, I stuck it on my desk and I looked at it every day just to go, okay, am I caring about something that I really shouldn't invest energy into? And if I stopped caring about that, what would happen? Like would the world fall over if I stopped caring about what people, what random people think? Probably not. So write it down. If that's you, if this resonates with you, if you're a perfectionist, I want you to write it down, put it on your laptop, send me a photo because I'd love to see you move out of that perfectionist zone and into what Brene Brown would describe as a good enoughist. All right, number three, be someone's strengths finder. You know, I love Strengths Finder. It's a survey at the Clifton Strengths on Gallup. We'll put a link into the show notes. It's like this survey that finds your strengths. I think, though, we don't need a, like, I love that survey. Don't get me wrong. But you don't need a survey to find out what people are good at. You can become a walking, talking strengths finder for the people you work with. And a friend of mine, Rowan Dredge, says this amazing thing. He says, if you see it in them, say it to them. And what he's talking about is if you see something good in someone else, say it to them, like call it out because there's so much power in positive feedback and there's so much power in encouragement. And I think for me, early in my leadership career, I got feedback from a direct report who said to me that I didn't give enough positive feedback and I wasn't encouraging enough. And they were absolutely right. That was like a big learning I had to go through because I was always focusing on the challenges, on the things we needed to fix and change. Instead of recognising what are the wins, what are the strengths and how do I call them out? And I think for people, if you can become this, if you can become a strengths finder for the people that you work with, you are going to be the most life-giving person on your team. And I think you are going to be the person that like people walk away from those conversations with you and they'll be like, I left feeling so refreshed or re-energized by having that conversation with that person. I want that to be you. So I want you to become people's strengths finder. And I guarantee that will also re-energize you. The more encouragement you give to people, the more energized you'll become as a result. Number four, and this is like, oh, this one, it still hits hard. Your self-talk matters. Oh, Self-talk, it's just like, it's, it's one of those things that's like how you talk to yourself really does matter. It's that whole, whole old adage, I think, therefore I am. And this year I've thought about this idea of self-talk matters and how we need to have more self-compassion in our self-talk. Dr. Amy Silver was the first person that introduced me to the idea of self-compassion. It's come from Dr. Kristen Neff. So she is like the thought leader on self-compassion And essentially she describes self-compassion as having empathy for yourself that you show to other people or having the compassion for yourself that you would show or extend to a friend or a family member. And we don't do this very well. We're very self-critical. And Dr. Amy Silver on a podcast a while back, some point, I think it was this year, said this thing that really stuck with me, that the antidote to self-criticism is self-compassion. 
And I think a lot of us in our work could do with more self-compassion and less self-criticism. And that's not to say we don't acknowledge our weaknesses. We definitely need to confront the painful reality of the stuff that we're not good at and improve. But so often our internal narrative is toxic. The things that we say to ourselves on repeat, we would never say that to someone else. And yet we berate ourselves about the failures, about the things we're not good at, about all the things we should have done. Instead, my lesson and my encouragement to you for 2024 would be notice and shift your self-talk. We need to move towards a more positive internal narrative and hit pause on that self-criticism. Number five, resistance is where the growth happens. So if you've been listening for a while, thank you. Firstly, I love that people listen to this show. It means so much to me. Secondly, you might remember at various points, I was talking about when I started my business, I had done, we'd done this podcast for a while, but I started my business and I needed to start doing like video content. And for anyone who remembers me talking about how much I do not like video content, like I could do a podcast all day long, love it. As soon as the camera's on though, and the video is happening, I'm like, oh no, I'm going to slowly die. This is the worst. <laughs> and like, I still haven't totally gotten past that. Well, I definitely haven't. But here's the thing. I started to get out of my comfort zone with the silly videos and started to do lots of video content or, well, for me, it felt like lots. And there was like this resistance. Like I had this internal resistance towards it. I'm like, I don't want to do this. This is the worst. I don't want to get in front of the camera. I don't want my face on like various things. I don't want to post this on Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever. So there was a lot of internal resistance towards doing that. But I, I got a coach who helped me to overcome some of this stuff. And when I started putting those videos out there, even though I didn't like it, even though I felt like it was really annoying, growth started to happen in my business. And I started to see a lot more traction online, a lot more people sharing content. And I realized, okay, the area of resistance is often the area of greatest growth for you. So if there's an area of resistance in your life that you just feel like, oh, like I feel like I need to do that thing, but I really don't want to, there's often a growth space for you there. It's like your growth zone. And if you can kind of push past or push through that resistance, you're going to find that's the area where you have huge growth and huge return. But there's always this temptation. It's like this gravitational pull towards safety. Like we have this gravitational pull towards that feels uncomfortable. I don't like it. I don't like putting myself out there. I'm afraid of what other people think. We've already talked about that, obviously, on this episode. Look for the areas of resistance in your career and then work out, okay, is this a growth area for me that I need to lean into and I need to fully get out of my comfort zone with this, stop playing a small game and step up and just own it and go all in on that area that you feel like, oh, this is really uncomfortable. This isn't, this isn't, doesn't feel good. Because here's the thing, you don't grow if you stay in the feel good zone. You just don't. So I want you to grow. And I know that everyone listening to this podcast wants to grow. That's why you listen to a podcast about your career. So number five, and if th this is probably the biggest learning for me this year, resistance is where the growth happens. So find that area of resistance to you. What's the thing you've been avoiding, but you have like this like inkling that you probably need to lean into it. And I want you to go do that thing. 
It might be applying for the job that feels out of your depth. It might be stepping up into a management or leadership job. It might be saying yes to an opportunity that terrifies you. Maybe someone asked you to come and speak on a panel for a particular thing at work and you're like, I couldn't possibly do that. That makes me feel sick. That is what I'm talking about where you're like, I feel really nervous about that, but like, I know I would grow as a result of doing it. Do the thing. Number six. Oh, I love this. Reflect, don't ruminate. And I love this because I've talked, we've done heaps of workshops this year. And a lot of what I've heard in those workshops is this idea of people ruminating. And rumination, you might remember us, we've talked about it a few times, is the idea of when you move past reflection and you start going into a really unhealthy overanalyzing zone. So you relive the conversation end to end. You really dwell on that failure. You then start on that spiral. It's kind of like a downward spiral into why did I do that? I'm not capable. I'm not competent. And it's very negative. It kind of goes into what we we're talking before of that negative self-talk. Reflection is very different to rumination. They're very different things. Reflection is that moment of pausing after maybe you did something you think, oh, could have done that a bit better. And it's got a level of self-compassion built in. So it's like, you know what? I could have done that better. I am going to do this differently next time. Here's what I've learned. And then you move on. Rumination is different. It is like spiraling around and around. It just goes around in your head and it stays there and there's no kind of out. You get stuck. Rumination is not a healthy mindset and I don't want you to kind of get in that zone. So we need to know the difference between reflection and rumination and it's way more valuable to you to reflect and it's unhelpful to you to spend time ruminating. I think the biggest difference between the two is that rumination, it doesn't really have action associated with it. Whereas reflection is all about, okay, cool, that happened. Yep. Could have done it differently. We'll do this next time. And it's like this forward focused, action oriented learning. Rumination doesn't have action. It's just like lingering in that painful feeling of like, oh my gosh, that was the worst. I'm the worst. Everything is the worst. So number six, reflect, don't ruminate. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, I've got a few more and some are a little bit spicy. The next one in particular is... If you want to grow in your career, I just wanted to remind you about our book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Glenn James and I have written this book to help you with any kind of career crisis, but also those things that you want, like getting a promotion, making more money, moving into a leadership role, or if it's time to quit your job. You can find our book wherever you get good books from, or you can listen on the audio book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Now let's get back to the show. 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Number seven, the bare minimum socks. This year, I remember seeing some things that was, it was on TikTok, it was on a couple of news outlets about bare minimum Mondays, and it just annoyed me. I gotta say, I'm just gonna be real. It annoyed me so much. I was like, what is this? And then we had that whole thing on TikTok of lazy girl jobs. Look, the bare minimum to me is annoying because it's kind of sold as like, this is for your well being. But research into well being shows that your well being is at its highest when you have a level of growth and challenge. And McCrindle did a bunch of research on that. So you can, can check out their book, Work Well Being. Well-being has to have a level of healthy growth and the bare minimum, just kind of doing the bare minimum to skate by is not that. And I know people get annoyed at me about this. I've just had recently on LinkedIn someone saying when I talk about the bare minimum, well, you should expect people to not do anything extra and go above and beyond. And I'm like, well, okay, fine. If you want to do the bare minimum, do it. But don't expect anything more than the bare minimum in return for your effort. Like that's the hard truth. If you do the bare minimum, don't expect a really good bonus or don't expect a promotion. So this to me, it just annoys me. And I just think it's really like, it's quite an entitled mindset. And I think that kind of goes to my core concern with it is it comes from this place of like, don't expect anything more than the like lowest of the lows to get by. But then in return, what I see sometimes with employees who have that mindset is that they have really high expectations of their employer. And I think that is unreasonable. And I, you know, I've put it out there now, go on record saying it. If you don't like it, that's fine. <laughs> so the bare minimum sucks. But what I think is good is if you want to be a high performer, we need to find the zone of like hard work with moments of rest and good rest and good recovery. So don't hear me saying, well, the bare minimum sucks. So you just got to hustle because I hate hustle culture equally as much as I hate the bare minimum. Okay, the both of them, both ends of the extreme are bad and unhelpful. Hard work is the sweet spot and hard work is not the same as hustle. It is how do you have growth? How do you have challenge? How do you have good stress? And good stress is known as eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. Eustress is good for you. It's that element where you're growing, you're stretching, you're learning. I think most of us need that in our career to feel engaged, but we need to work out how do we rest and recover? And that is the most important thing. And it, if, if you don't learn that quickly, 
That's when we run the risk of burnout and all those other kind of horrible things that we don't have want to have happen. If you want to learn more about rest, Phil Wolf did an amazing episode on this earlier in the year about well-being. So we'll add a link to the show notes because active recovery, he talks about active recovery and rest. Those things are so important for your career. So hear me out. I think the bare minimum sucks. I just do. I think that hustle also sucks. In the middle, this idea of hard work and rest is the sweet spot and it's such a challenge to get right and we tend to swing from one end to the other. Find your way of resting and hard work. Okay, number eight. Thanks for listening to my rant. Find your cheer squad. One of my favourite things of this year has been finding a cheer squad and it's kind of like a community. I've found this little community it wasn't me. It's a friend of mine, Tani McWhirter, on LinkedIn. She created this community of businesses in HR kind of doing cool stuff. And there's like, I don't know, eight of us in this group. And she called it the cheer squad. And it really has become that. And for me, that's been one of the most life-giving, energizing, surprising, delightful things that I've had this year happen is forming this community of people who are in a similar situation of building a business And it's just been like this group of people like cheering each other on when things happen that are cool and big wins happen. And then also being able to like safely vent when challenges happen. So being able to go, oh, look, this has happened. I've failed here. Or, Or what do you guys think about this? And having voices in the mix that have you back, that cheer you on and encourage you. I want you to find your version of that. Because that to me has been like, we're going and having a Christmas party this week with the group. And I'm so stoked to have found a community like that of people and I want everyone to have that so find your cheer squad create it if you don't have it you be that person who creates that group of people doing similar things build a network around it it will be something really powerful for you in 2024 number nine this is just one of my faves people are weird like people are just so weird and like my lesson is just the constant reminder that people are weird and they do weird things. Like I'm weird, you're weird listening probably. We're all weird and that's what makes us cool. Like embrace the weirdness that is people. Early in my HR career, I used to find it quite frustrating dealing with all the drama that came with people like and the constant like, oh my gosh, you've got another one of these weird things that have, that's come up. But now later on, I find I love it. Like I've just learned to go, you know what? I love this. Like I'm surprised by it. I'm intrigued by it. I'm curious about what weird thing could possibly happen. Find the intrigue in the weirdness at work. Like I want you to embrace it. Like find that weird. If there's some kind of behavior on your team and you've just found yourself like, this is so annoying. Like this person keeps doing this thing. It really annoys, it really annoys you. Start to look at it from a different angle and reframe it and go, how can I analyze this person's weirdness and and find the joy in it (laughs) or find or write the story down? Like one of the things I've started doing is writing the stories and capturing them just to be able to go, you know what? That's really weird. I'm going to turn this. I could get frustrated about it, but instead I'm going to turn it into some kind of story and like look at it and enjoy the funniness for what it is in like two years time when I'm past the frustration of it. So Anyway, just an aside, people are weird, embrace the weirdness. Number 10, curiosity is your superpower. This year, earlier in the year, Steph Clark came on the show and she was talking about the future of work and about all the changes we're seeing with AI. And she described something really amazing around curiosity. 
and how curiosity is probably the, the core skill that you will need in the future. And I have been thinking a lot about that since she said it, of how can you become more curious about the world, about the way we work, about yourself and about the people that you work with and let that curiosity help you to learn and help you to grow. So instead of having kind of like a fixed mindset or getting defensive about changes in your industry or getting concerned or fearful about change, how do you activate your curiosity and look at things through that questioning lens of, okay, this is a challenge, but how might I use it and create an opportunity here? So thank you, Steph Clark, because I love your work. Number 11, make your manager's life easier. Shane Hatton on one of his episodes said this amazing thing around how managers are there to make their employees' lives better and employees get to make their manager's life easier. And I think that was such a good takeaway that if you want to grow in your career, try to find ways to make your manager's life easier. Like often we think about all the things we want our manager to be doing for us, but if you can flip the perspective it will help you progress if you can do this. Now, I know it's not easy, but I want you to flip your perspective for a second and go, how can I make their life easier? How can I anticipate and preempt some of the things that they're going to need or want from me and do it before they ask? Or instead of coming to my manager with problems, how could I come to them with solutions first instead of just kind of handballing or forwarding an email and going, you deal with this. How can you preempt the things that they're going to need and make their life easier? Number 12, seek out more feedback. And I'm going to also say seek out more feedback and seek out diverse perspectives. Becoming a feedback magnet is something that you can do to grow. If you can become a person that attracts feedback, where you actively find and seek feedback from people or you actively seek out diverse perspectives, you are going to learn and grow at such a faster rate than what most people would. And the way that you can do this is you need to get intentional about how you ask for feedback. So one of the big challenges for employees is they don't get enough feedback. And we all know that feeling where we want feedback from our boss, we just don't get it. So the way you change that is you get clear and intentional with your questions. If you have an area in your career that you want to grow in, you want more feedback on, I want you to talk to your boss about that in advance before you do anything in that space. Say, hey, this is the area I want to grow and why. Can you look out for things in how I can develop and improve? I'm presenting to a client next week on this particular topic. Could you write down the three things that I could do differently next time? So by asking them for feedback in advance, by getting really intentional with how you seek it out, you will get better insights into the areas that you can improve. So seek out more feedback. The, the other side of this is seek out diverse perspectives. So one of the traps for all of us is our unconscious bias. We all have unconscious biases and they stop us from hearing or seeing different perspectives. So I want you to look for in meetings, how can you actually facilitate conversations to get different perspectives from the group? So you might put an idea out there and say, hey, Jack, I know you have a different perspective on this. I'd love you to challenge me on it. Or Jack, what do you see that maybe I'm not seeing? So by framing and asking questions to seek out diverse perspectives, you're going to challenge your own internal biases. And that again is another way that you can grow and learn. Number 13, this is a random one, but I've just, I've just put it in there as a lesson. Small talk is awkward. Ask deep questions. I 
small talk, I know we all have to do it and that's just part of life. But I was sitting on a meeting uh, before recording this podcast and the meeting opened and it was like seven minutes or maybe less. Maybe it was only four, but it felt like seven. (laughs) It was probably actually only two. Anyway, the point is when there's small talk, it feels like a long time. And before the meeting starts, there was just all this like chit chat. And I, I, I think chit chat is a good, accurate describing term for small talk because it's just like chit chat. Oh, oh, I don't want, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> small talk at the beginning of Zoom meetings is just the worst where people jump on and they're like, oh, so um, what, how are you guys doing? Like, what was, what was your morning like? Didn't you get a coffee? Like, oh, no. I think what is cool and this could just totally, this is probably just totally personal preference. So, you know, try this at your own risk. <laughs> but instead of like small talk, I reckon we could just get good at asking deep questions of people. So instead of, if you're going into your one-on-one with an employee, if you're a manager, you're going into a one-on-one, instead of starting with any like chit chat, start with a deep question. Like just go there. Like ask questions like, hey, I'd love to know what drains your energy at work. Or hey, what do you think is the biggest challenge for our team? Or, hey, what could we do to change next year? I don't know, just start with some deep questions instead of small talk or just avoid the small talk altogether. Anyway, I wrote that down as a lesson and maybe it's just for me, but (laughs) if small talk feeling awkward to you resonates, message me on LinkedIn and we can have a general chit chat about it. (laughs) Okay, the last one, I promise this one's better than that one. The last one, and this is a big one. I was running a workshop earlier this year and it was with an amazing team. And one of the things we say in these workshops is what are the ground rules? Like what are the ground rules for for us of how we're going to behave in this session? And one of them said STFU. And I was like, oh, okay, you want everyone to shut the F up. Like I was trying to work it out. And they're like, no, no, I think it's STFU, but instead of shut the F up, It's show the F up. And I have thought about that so much. One of the rules for that team was show the F up. And essentially what they were saying is play big, like be all in, show up, be present, be engaged. And I think I've taken that away and really started to ask myself in meetings, in conversations, in work, in business, am I showing the F up here or am I playing a small game or am I not present or am I not engaging? Am I not being all in? So I want you to think about this and go, how can I show up more? How can I stand out? How can I play big? Take a risk. Like let's go back to the point number one. Don't wait until you're ready. Show the F up in your career. Be present, be engaged take action before you're ready and that is going to make for a freaking epic 2024 i just want to say to close out this conversation thank you so much to all our amazing listeners it is such a privilege and pleasure to host this podcast and connect with such an amazing community of people who are all keen to grow and learn and who don't mind a bit of verbal processing and ranting So I just want to say thanks and I've loved hearing so many listener stories of how they have taken a risk or have had big wins in their career. It means the absolute freaking world to me to hear that and I love it. So thank you. If you've enjoyed the show in 2023, I want to ask you a favour. 
I want you to share this episode or one of your faves with a friend. And my second ask is that you would give us a five-star rating on Spotify or on Apple because it helps us to get the pod out there. It gets more ears on the podcast. Hey, I just want to say thanks again for hanging out. Love your work. See ya. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money, My Millennial Daily, and Retire Right. Find these wherever you get your podcasts. 